Hello, hello, hi, hi there, hey. You are listening to the Questions Hip Hop Trivia Podcast, and I'm your host, your correspondent, your guy, Sean Kantrowitz, and today we are digging up a classic episode of your favorite hip hop trivia show out of the archives. But before we get into that, a friendly reminder to go ahead and rate this here podcast and leave a review as well so that the algorithm, you know, shows some love and you help us grow. Because, yes, for those of you who know, the questions has been around for a few years now at this point, but we're still somewhat in our infancy as a podcast here on the Stony Island Audio Network. So, yes, please do that and thank you in advance. Since last week, we discussed all things producers with our current bracket tournament that we're running, I thought it was a good time to bring back a classic episode, episode number 52, with one of hip-hop's greatest producers, Just Blaze. One of the most prominent beat makers at the turn of the century, Just has been behind the boards for classic records by Jay-Z, Freeway, Kanye West, Eminem, J Electronica, Joe Budden, Rick Ross, Drake, Snoop Dogg, the list is too crazy. You guys know who Just Blaze is. Your mom probably knows who Just Blaze is. And even if she doesn't, it's very likely that she's heard some of his work. This episode was live streamed on July 23rd, 2020, back in the Instagram Live days. Lots of great gems in this one, because not only is Just a wealth of hip hop trivia knowledge himself, but he had so many great anecdotes to share, some of which I think really might surprise you. I'm gonna chime in a few times during this episode. One, because Just Blaze was so enthusiastic and eager to flex his trivia muscles that he sometimes answered before I could even read more than a couple of words in the question, which was really fun to watch, but maybe doesn't translate so well when you're listening to it as a podcast. And also for the Picasso Baby round, in which he identifies album artwork that you can't see. It's a great concept for a live show. Does not translate so well to an audio-only format. But, you know, we're going to find a way to make it work, damn it. By the way, we have gotten so much great feedback about that producer bracket tournament that we talked about last week that we have extended the deadline to enter. So you can visit questionshiphop.com, download your bracket form, fill it out and send it back, but do it ASAP because we are kicking things off later this week. If you're listening to this weeks or months into the future, disregard everything I just said. Sorry, I've wasted seconds of your life that you cannot get back. My bad. Uh, one more order of business. We've got a live stream show coming up in conjunction with our good friends at Hopin, and we will be welcoming the legendary MC, community leader, speaker, just an all-star of hip-hop, Brother Ali, to the show on Monday, March 28th at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. You can tune in and watch the show live for free, interact with other viewers in our chat room at Hopin, and submit questions for Ali to answer himself during the broadcast. Visit questionshiphop.com for a link to RSVP for the live stream on Hopin. It is going to be a good one. All right. I have become the podcast host who does those long introductions to episodes before diving into the main event. The reason that I myself sometimes skip over other podcast intros. Oh, the irony. Without further ado, here's a classic episode of the Questions Hip Hop Trivia with Just Blaze. Who did it first? Who did it first? 
question. Who rapping there? That remix and what happened when? That's the question. Let me ask you a question. Hmm. And if you ain't know what needs, then my guy's doing what you need. Some answers to the questions. Well, we are absolutely thrilled to have you on our show. This is episode number 52. Uh, wow. We have, uh, you know, we started as a live event in LA. Funny story, uh, the first show that we ever did, Peanut Butter Wolf came to our show in LA when this was right. a live event. And right. at the end of it, uh, he came up to us and he said, hey, I've been texting my friends about this game. And he was sending them screenshots of our game at the time. And it was a group chat called Rap Nerds. And he was showing right. us the, the people who were in it. And it was you. It was Questlove. It was like DJ Premier. And yeah, we, yeah, we still got we still got that group. We still talk every day. Yep, yep. Questlove was telling us that a few episodes ago. So we're thrilled to have you here. You're exactly the type of person that we make this show for. So if you're ready to get into it, you want to do some uh, rap nerdery? You want to just sure? Sort of let's do it. All right, let's do it. We're gonna hop into our first round, just blazing. The first round is called "The Choice Is Yours." This is general multiple choice. You can, of course, lean on the chat if you would like. A lot of people uh, take the high road over the chat, but we don't judge either way. But okay. you're kind of a, a hip-hop brainiac, so we feel like you won't necessarily need to. But From your lips to God's ears, let's see. <laughs> All right, here we go. First question. On the 10th anniversary Illmatic reissue, Nas included a previously unreleased song called Star Wars, produced by A, Pete Rock, B, Large Professor, C, Ron Browse, or D, DJ Premier? Large Professor. Wow, he's just going straight for it. Large Professor as the producer of Star Wars. Oh, you Wars. had the options there. I didn't even see that. All right, cool. They are there, but yes, it was a Large Professor beat that was also used on a Large Professor album. Uh, yes, it like, was. Yeah. Um, obviously, we included this in here, not just because you come from a lineage of amazing producers of the East Coast hip-hop variety, but you're also a huge Star Wars fan. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I was born in 70, you know, I was, I was, I was born at, uh, at that time, so, you know, I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s, so, uh, yeah. you know, what kid in the 80s didn't love Star Wars? What was your opinion of the last trilogy? I know that there was a lot of mixed emotions. Yeah, you know, I... Put it this way, last uh, The Force Awakens was kind of a remake of New Hope, but I wasn't mad at it. It said it on a nice tone. Yeah. It said a nice tone. Uh, uh, last Jedi just wasn't it. Uh, I watched it. I was entertained while I watched it, but it was kind of like, you know, I like sci-fi in general. So, like, when Prometheus came out, right, you know, I bought, like, 20 tickets, 20, 30 tickets, had the whole crew come down. Yeah. It, was, it was the same thing. It was like we watched it and we were entertained, but when it was over, it was like that really wasn't that good. Did really I, stick to your ribs? You know? Yeah, I, I feel like uh, Ryan Johnson, who is a great director, you know, yeah. but I think in this case, um, he disrespected the, the 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 mythology and character of Luke Skywalker. He sidelined uh, homie um, John Boyega. Yeah. Um, the casino, the whole Canto Bike Casino thing was worthless. They squandered the use of uh, what's his name, uh, Benicio del Toro. Yep. Um, it just it just wasn't a well done movie in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, my least favorite probably of any Star Wars movie, including the uh, the prequels. Um, <laughs> Which is saying a lot because th those. Got yeah, a lot but you know what? Wrong. To be honest, 
and I won't delve into this too much, but one of the things I remember as a kid reading an interview with George Lucas, and they were like, why did you start at four? Why didn't you do one, two, and three first? And he was like, because y'all would have found it boring. Hmm. Because it's a, it's, it's a lot of government-related stuff and cover-up stuff that, like, he didn't have the entire beat-for-beat beat story, but he had a, the basic framework. Right. He knew what the setup was, and he was like, y'all would have found it boring, and you really wouldn't have been into it. I wanted to jump right into the action. Right. You know, when you watch the prequels in that light, and you remember that, you know, part of the reasons why we loved the original movie so much. Adults loved it because there was something they had never seen before. Sure. Kids loved it because it was really made for kids. Right. So you look at the whole generation that came after, you know, my age group, and there's a whole generation of kids that love the prequels the same way we yeah. love the originals. Because for them, it resonates in that time, and it's going to the theater and, like, all the hype and the hoopla. Right. Yo, know. my son has fought me for two weeks. He's two years old. My mom bought me this Jar Jar Binks that's like three feet tall, like 20 years ago, right? Yeah. I never opened it. and I, I didn't even know it existed until she brought it to the house like six months ago. She's like, I bought this for you, but I never gave it to you. So it sat in a corner in the basement. Wow. He saw it and has every day been asking for it. He walks around with this Jar Jar all day. And uh. I, put it, I, put it, I posted it on my Facebook. I'm like, yo, George was right. Star Wars is for the kids. You know, yeah, so hard to argue with that, yeah, yeah. You know, like when you see a, a kid who, who who's in love with that character, he's watching it from a pure standpoint. You know what I mean? And that's really what it's all about. So, that, I say all that to say, I don't hate the prequels. Were they as great as the the middle trilogy? No, you know, they never um, could be, especially for from your perspective. You know, right. it's gonna be whatever resonates with you. Yeah, you know, and, right? and, and for what it's worth, you know, Rogue One was amazing, and actually, Solo I thought was a sleeper hit. It felt like Star Wars. It was, I think Solo. I felt like Solo was a good movie in general. I was I was skeptical about the kid playing him, just like everybody else. Sure. But I think what you got over the fact that it just wasn't Harrison Ford. I think he nailed the character. It wasn't mad. Absolutely. All right. If you're just joining us, we're talking Star Wars. We switched our, our topic altogether, folks. We got the legendary Just Blaze in the house. We're moving on to our second question in our first round, and the question is. Which of these artists was not featured on Def Jam's 1998 Survival of the Illust tour? A. Onyx, B. Def Squad, C. Lil Kim, or D. DMX? Survival Lil Kim. He says Lil Kim, and the answer was, of course, Lil Kim was not on the Survival of the Illust tour. What were you doing in 1998? 1998 was sort of the, the you, your career was starting to take off at that point, or at least getting right close. around that point. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I remember, I mean, I, little Kim wouldn't have been on that tour. It was a Def Jam sponsored tour. You're right. Um, but I also, I remember that because there, there was a soundtrack to that tour, which I had, which I probably still have in the show somewhere. So that was easy. Yeah, 98 was right when it was all starting to take off for me. Um, I moved to New York, I think, in 97, late 96 yeah. or 97. And by, you know, by within a few months, I had landed a job at the Cutting Room Studios, which had gotten, which is kind of where I got my start in terms of really meeting people and watching classic records and albums get made. Like, I watched Havoc make, like, Quiet Storm. I watched him make Godfather Part 3. Wow. You know, I, I watched Chucky Thompson do that, what was it, that Fourth Mary album, um... I saw a lot of most deaths, uh, black on both sides get made, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it gave, it afforded me the opportunity to not just watch, but to, and learn, but to actually meet these people, you know? So, uh, you know, by 98, 
those relationships that I had forged and all the practice and work that I had put in is right when it started to come to fruition. So 98 was definitely a pivotal year for me. That's amazing. And I, I was reading an interview that you did recently where basically you were saying that, and when I say recently, you might have done it a few years ago, but you're working as an employee of the studio during the day. Mm-hmm. And then basically as soon as your shift ended, you were you you were on your own shit. You were just blazed, like you know. Right. Yeah. No. I had a day. Like, I, it's funny. I worked at the studio, but I was also their second biggest client. <laughs> so I would have to like schedule my sessions around my work schedule. So it was like if an artist wanted to do a session, right? You know, unless it was like a really big money client, and they would just let you know turn the blind eye, I would always have to start my sessions like seven thirty. So seven o'clock, get off work, prep get ready, 7.30, I'm in the session until 8 o'clock in the morning, sleep for an hour, hour and a half, get back up, go to work. Wow. For a few years, but you know, if it, it that's why I have these permanent bags under my eyes, you know, uh, about, you know that, that permanently altered my sleep schedule. But yeah, you know, it was, talent aside, I always tell people, you know, there's a lot of, especially in that era where there was a million studios in New York and a million and one interns and, right. and people in my age group working in studios, it wasn't just the talent, because a lot of us were talented. More of it, I think, was being able to take a advantage, proper advantage of the opportunities that landed in your lap, you know, yeah. and being able to massage those relationships and cultivate them and grow them without being overbearing. I was never a salesman. I was right. just a cool dude that made beats that worked at the studio, you know, and I think having that type of personality and carrying myself that way, um, along with the talent to back it up is what, you know, landed me in a position that I ended up in. Amazing. All right, we're going to move on to our third question in this round. Who produced MOP's classic anthem, Annie Up? A, DJ Premier. B, Fizzy Womack. C, Knotts. Or D, DR period. MOP's classic DR anthem. period. He's going right into it. We've never seen somebody operate with such speed as you just placed. <laughs> and you are absolutely correct. Now, the interesting thing about this is that a lot of people, even when the versus battle was going down, they thought it was. They thought that was primo. They very much think it's primo. Uh, why do you think? But there's is? a couple of reasons for that. There's a couple of reasons. One, the drum bounce is in that same vein of a lot of primo's drum bounce. It doesn't necessarily even sound like a primo beat, right? But the way the drums are quantized and the way Dr. did the stutter on the the horns, the. Bah! it's just primo is very known for his start stop stutter but think about it dr period is mop's original producer lays has been you know a part of their management from the jump primo was up on them early on or helping them early on you have a bunch of people in the same room all for all those years of course things are going to rub off on each other but to me it's i never thought it was a primo beat but I could tell that there was an influence in the swing that came from Primo. Mm. That said, the other reason is that if you listen to the clean version, if you get a little bit more scientific with it, the clean version of um, of Annie Up, Primo did the clean version, right? If you listen to the sounds that are used, they're all the clean versions from the Gangstar, right. all the sounds from the Gangstar clean version. That little like chirp, like the little... Yeah, the uh, chirps the, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So people assume that it was Primo. Primo mixed the record. You know, DR uh, produced right. it, Primo mixed it, and because he mixed it when they did the clean, he used his signature Gangstar clean edit, or really not even Gangstar, but like Gangstar, J. Rue, all the records that that Primo was closely associated with. And on top of that, it's not 
a far-fetched assumption to make because Primo, again, was the biggest producer associated with MOP for all those years. So I get yeah. it. Um, people rarely have that issue with your beats, mainly because, I mean, one of the reasons being you have, like, such a signature tag. And I wanted to know, what was the origin of the Just Blaze? Like, like how long did it take you to sort of land on that? So... I knew I, I was I knew I was never gonna be um I knew I was never gonna be uh like an artist producer, right? I was never gonna be a Dre or a Ye or a Pharrell or anything like that, you know, or even like Swiss, like I got real bad asthma and I got no breath control, right? I could write my ass off. I've written some of people's favorite lines and records, you know, Ooh. I've written. I could write. Okay. You know, but when it comes to the delivery, you just you would never believe the stuff that I can write. You would never believe it coming from me. Wow. You know, plus I'm like the homebody kid. You know, I can write about the street, but imagine me on stage talking about, you know, the gun lift you up, blah 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 blah. Just, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, my thing was trying to find a way to establish myself as a a brand. You know, when when most producers did that, it was by becoming an artist. Yeah. So my thing was like just asking the artist to shout me out on records or sometimes the artist would just shout me out on records. Sure. Got to remember I was also an engineer. So what would happen sometimes is artists would shout me out on records that I didn't produce and I used to take that take that out of the record because I didn't I never wanted it to be seen by the actual producer. Like there were cases where the producer didn't get a shout out because I was the engineer. You know how Jay shouts out Guru? Right. You know, Guru's not producing the record. He's engineering and mixing and whatnot. Sure. But Guru's his, his right-hand man when it comes to that. So I get it. It's, it's Jay's way of, of acknowledging it. But me being a producer as well as an engineer, you know, um, early on when the artist would shout me out, I would, I would have to take it out because it's not my record and I don't want right. the, the actual producer feeling, or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. feeling a certain way. That, that can get awkward really, really quickly. So... Artists sometimes would give me a shout out. Sometimes I would ask for it. Sometimes they would do it. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, they would uh, do it on, on their own accord. So when we were doing Pump It Up, Tracy, what up? When we were doing Pump It Up, I asked um, Joe to do it. He was like, no, you do it. And I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not shouting myself out on the record. <laughs> He's like, nah, do it. So... And I didn't really even know Joe that well, but Joe, you know, as we all know now, Joe's just a quirky, weird dude in general. Personality. Yeah. Right. You know, and this was like our third time ever meeting each other. He's like, nah, man, you do it. So I'm like, all right. And he, he, this was his way of being funny. I think if I had really just said, no, please do it, he would have done it. Sure. But I wasn't going to go back and forth with him, so I went and did it. And there was a joke that we had at the studio that night, because his previous record was this record called uh, Focus. Hmm. And it's one part of in the focus song where he's um there's one part in the focus record where he uh he's running off the days of the week and he's like Mondays, Fridays, Saturdays. Right. So then when I got in the studio or when I got in the booth, I was tight at him for making me do it. So I was like, just please. And then they were like, yo, wow. that's it. And I was like, no, it's not. And I tried it a bunch of different ways and nothing stuck. And, so, and is that just the one that you've used ever since? Like, have you ever re-recorded it? Or yeah, no, I've re-recorded it a few times, but it's always sure. the same way. And the thing is, what happened was 
I was after that happened and it took off, I was still trying to find a better tag. Right. And I could never come up with anything. And so I just wasn't putting it on records. And then artists would be like, yo, why didn't you put the just blaze? <laughs> so that I had to keep doing it. And that was it's part of it's part it. of the treatment. It's part of the uh, it's part of the overall package that they're Yeah, experience. like this one this one record I'm doing right now. I don't want to name the artist, and you know things haven't been announced. It's not my my place to put out there. Sure. But I had sent him uh, this track, and he's like, "It was just a beat. It wasn't even like I think he's used to producers just sending him the beat and him recording it and him putting it out." It's like the finalized version of the beat when when he gets it, basically. Right. That's I think that's what he's used to. Me, I. I send a I send a basic skeleton. The artist records, and then I produce the record around that. Right. So he texts me. He's like, "Yo, this beat is amazing, but where's the Just Blaze?" <laughs> and I was like, "Bro, you haven't even recorded. I didn't know if you were gonna like it. First of all, second of all, you haven't recorded a single word yet. It's like, like you got like inspecting a it's like inspecting a hundred dollar bill to make sure that it's not counterfeit. He's like, uh, right. I'm like, bro, where's you, the Just Blaze? You got to record the vocals, put your song together, send it back to me so I can actually produce the song. And when I do it, I'll I got you. Yeah. All right. Take note. If you guys, anybody in the chat works with Just Blaze, the drop is going to come. But you can't force the drop. Yeah, don't force the drop. Don't force the drop. All right. We're moving on to the final question in this round. Before the world associated the name Jay-Z with Sean Carter, the name was first used by a producer from this crew. A, Organized Noise. B, Native Tongues. C, Poor Righteous Teachers. Or D, Hobo Junction. Hobo Junction, I think. He's saying Hobo Junction. This is the first time that you don't seem 100% sure, but because you are just Blaze, you are absolutely correct. It was one of the producers in the Hobo Junction. Yeah, I remember. I vaguely remember this. Wasn't that... That wasn't Sophia and those dudes. Who was in Hobo Junction? No, Sophia was uh, Hobo Junction. All right, Junction. yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had that infamous battle against somebody. Souls. Souls of Mystery. Right, against Souls, yeah, on the radio, right? Yep, yep. I mean, obviously, you know, and, and from what I remember, uh, Souls treated it, this is like an interesting distinction, Souls was like, oh, okay, it's a radio freestyle battle, so they went in and were actually coming off the top. Um, right. The Hobo Junction cats were kind of more on the, these are freestyles where- But like, they're written they're, runs. Right, so they kind of got smoked on that, but, you know, you could also say in the long run- I think Souls and, and Hyro has had a longer run. Had a, quite a bit of different a career trajectory. Yeah, just a little bit. All right, but we're going to move on to our next round. Our next round is called Picasso, baby. So oh, in this know, round, up? I'm going to show you a cropped part of an album cover. And you have to identify what the album is by the little piece of it that you see. So okay. far, 100% correct, Just Blaze. Doing well so far. It's a picture of two people, one dressed in all white and one in a dark black, maybe dark blue suit, and they're leaning on cars. What album cover is this? Eyes on this, MC Light. Wow, he's going right for it. And he is absolutely correct. MC Light's eyes on this. You ever work with Light? No, we not in a music capacity. You know, we... I was a governor for the Grammy, uh, for the for the Recorded Academy for a long time, okay. and she was, um, I think, one of the heads of the LA chapter. So we dealt with each other on, you know, Recorded Academy matters and Grammy matters, but never uh, like in the studio. Fun fact, though, that record that she did with Primo um, a few years back, 
uh, was actually uh, initially Primo made that beat at Baseline, which is oh, my wow. old studio. Yeah, yeah Primo course. made that at Baseline for like. Amazing. Is there anybody that you haven't worked with that like really is, uh, you know, you've worked with so many of the greats, but is there anybody either like, I'd say from the past. I don't have, I don't have a bucket list. No, you don't have a bucket list. Yeah. no, I, I've never even had a list. I've never <laughs> had a plan. Never had a plan. No, I don't believe that. You didn't have a plan I, at I, all. Yo, seriously, that if for better or worse, I'd probably be a lot more well off if I had a plan, but I just, not that I do bad now, but I'd be in a much different financial position. <laughs> I've, I've I've always just gone wherever life and music and God has taken me, you know. Um, and I always tell people that story, but I always say don't don't follow my life path, right? But but still trust the process. Sure. And I think that's all I've done all my life is trust the process. Amazing. All right. Well, your process has been working well for you so far in this game. We're moving on Thank to you, the sir. second question. It's a close-up of an illustration of a bowl that's labeled the finest. There's a hand holding a spoon that's spooning some sort of liquid out of it. Doom. Food. He is absolutely correct. You did a Doom remix. You did a Cookies remix, right? Yeah, we did that just for fun. One day, uh, he was performing. Actually, the way it all started, I went to a Mad Villain show. Was it Mad Villain? Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, Madlib was there. Yeah. yeah, and I went just as a fan. Mm. You know, because I knew certain people, I was able to sit at the side of the stage. Right. You know, but in the crowd still, but like right off to the side. So I had this camera, this brand new camera I had just gotten, and I was taking pictures. And I don't know if you know Ben Grimm. That's like his manager slash security, Big Ben. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Klingon. He comes over like he's on the mic. And he looks over to the right. And he's like, "Yo, homie." You must be cool because the way you sitting, but no pictures. So I was like, <laughs> okay. Wow. Back in the bag. Yeah. And then afterwards, I think Madlib told Madlib told him who I was because Madlib, yeah. like, you know, I know Madlib. So then he came over and was like, "Yo, my bad, I didn't know what you." I was like, "No, it's all good." You know, like you you're not gonna recognize me, the, my face in the crowd when you're dealing with, you know, in perform mode. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So um, from that point on, you know. Um, me and Madlib knew each other pretty well from a few years before. Um, and then, you know, Grim takes me, uh, Ben rather, takes me over to uh, to Doom. And uh, we meet. Doom comes back to New York to do Central Park. A show at Central Park. Is that show where he had on the Knicks jersey. Right. Only, you know, I think it's one of the few New York outdoor concerts he's ever done. Yeah. So we were hanging out afterwards. It might have been Doom and Dela, maybe. But anyway, okay. um, so Doom comes to base. Me and Doom are hanging out for the whole day. Then he comes to baseline. In that record that I used for the Cookies remix, I kid you not, I have had that record since I was six years old. Is it My a Sesame Street? My mom took me to Sesame Place. Yeah. And, you know, right when we were leaving, you know, they had the little gift shops all over the, you know, the amusement parks and whatnot. Yep. And they had this Sesame Street album. So I'm like, yo, mommy, I want this record. So she buys it for me. Yeah. I get home at six years old, and I'm like, that's a rap song. Like, <laughs> and I all throughout my childhood and my teenage years, my adolescent years, and my going into my adult life, I'm like, one day I am going to make somebody rap on this. I never forgot about it. No way. So I, from the time I was six years old. So fast forward, we're at 
baseline and it hit me because he had the cookies record. And I'm like, bro, wait a minute. No, we have to do a remix to cookies like right now. <laughs> and he was like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, we have to do a remix to cookies right now. He's like, okay, what makes you say this? And I play it for him and he's like, I just played. I had my Sesame Street record in the studio. Why? Because <laughs> I, I knew that one day it was going to get used. <laughs> so I had this, I, I had it in a special place at baseline in my office. I run to the office, I come back, I'm like, listen to this. And I play it for him and he's like, holy shit. Like, he, he's mind blown. Like, and it's quirky, so it's up his alley. Like, it's, it's up Doom's alley. Yeah. Cookie Monster is on the record rhyming about cookies. Listening, I'm like, yo, oh, it's, it, you know what it was like? It was like, oh boy. Yeah. When I made oh boy, like the idea was we don't need a hook. The hook, the, the hook is is the sample. All you have to do is wrap around the sample. Right. This was the same thing where it was just like, yo, just wrap around Cookie Monster saying cookies. And the beat, <laughs> I don't have to add drums, nothing. I put a little 808 under it and that was it. So as soon as I played it for him, he's like, yo, I get it. He did it, sent it back to me the next day. Amazing. But I never had to put it out officially anywhere. Yeah, I, I think the, uh, the only thing I've heard is like a radio rip or something. Yeah, like I played that. it one time on the radio on Shane 45 years ago. And when you did, and, and I listened to it, I was struck. I never really thought this, but I almost thought it was Doom because you guys have similar timbres of voices. Oh, like, Pete, yo, there was, there was a long thing. At, like before Doom really became a, the underground but household name that he is. Sure. When my my assistant, Dave, or my engineer, rather, Dave, he used to he's a huge Doom fan. And he used to play it in the office all the time. The people would walk by and be like, yo, Justice, is that you? <laughs> and there was a rumor for a long time at Baseline, you know, like with the artists who used to frequent it and whatnot, that I was secretly MF Doom. That's amazing. So at one point, I, I like I played into it, and I went into the booth, and I started, I kind of imitated his, a bit more of his vocal tone, which is more gravelly and a little bit more deeper. And yes. for like a week, I had people at Baseline thinking that I was secretly MF Doom. Just Blaze, you could have been a Doom poster. I could have been a Doom poster, right? <laughs> I just would have had to get get a little bit get get a little bit more of a gut. You know, right, the, yeah. the mask they used to sell the mask at Toys R Us. It was a gladiator mask. It was a gladiator mask. Yeah. They sold the Toys R Us. Amazing. All right, we're gonna move on to our final question in this round. Just what album cover is this? It's a somewhat shadowy image of a torso. There's red light being cast on it. Lightning strikes in the background, and this figure seems to be wearing a cross on a chain around their neck. Is it Death Squad, When Disaster Strikes, DMX, and then there was X, Killer Priest, View from Masada. I was going to say Death Squad at first, but it's Killer Priest. He says Killer Priest. It is. I see the cross now. This was another super early uh, Just Blaze uh, yep. like placements. How did that all come about? Um, yo, this I is what, 97? I don't remember how I met Priest. Um, you know what? It might have been what was Foxy's old manager name? Don Poole. Don uh had got a position like a head, a head, a VP of AR position at MCA. Mm. Priest was signed to MCA. And I want to say I met with Pooh, and he suggested me getting together with Priest. Um, and Priest was I saw Priest came by by the cutting room. This is back when I had my job. Yeah. And I played him like eight beats, and he was you know he was just bobbing. He was real quiet. 
you know, sometimes when, when an artist is quiet, that can be a bad, you know, a, a bad omen. Right. So I played him like eight beats, and I was like, "So, what you want to do?" He's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Do you like any of them? Do you want any of them?" He said, "I want all of them." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay." He's like, "How much?" And I was like, "Oh, uh, I don't know." Um, you know, I'm like 18. Like, I, I don't know. What, I'm like, uh, 19 maybe. I'm like, so we worked it out. Uh, within a week or two, Pooh got me a check for a first half for all eight beats. Wow. It was more money than I, than I had ever seen in my life up until that point. And, yeah, that Wu Tang affiliate money. Well, also, Wendy Goldstein at the time was making a big push for hip hop at MCA. You know, that's how so many groups ended up over there. Yeah. Um, so. We went in and cut a bunch of records, and Priest, me and Priest actually ended up becoming good friends. Like, he would come by the crib and kick it, you know, like, and funny enough, I don't know if, you know, this was known back then, but, you know, it was kind of like a random footnote, but he was together with Emil that used to be with Rockefeller for a long time. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, they were dating for, they were very serious for a long time. That, that was because of me. Ah, matchmaker. It wasn't intentional. Yeah. Um... But yeah, he used to come visit me sometimes and I'd be with her. And she was a black Hebrew and that's and that's what he was on. Right, right. So he's kind of tripping like, yo, there's a like there's a pretty girl who's a black Hebrew. Oh wait, hold on, hold on. Right. That was like that's his a, end. That's a get. <laughs> right. Like that that that's his way in. So <laughs> I I admittedly kind of reluctantly introduced them and sure. they were together for quite some time. Amazing. I had no idea. I did not know that. All right. So far, you are 100%. You're, you're crushing it. Uh, no one has ever got a perfect score on the show, but it's looking okay. like you very well could. We're moving on to our third round, and the third round is called Digging in the Crate. This is our sample round. So I'm going to play you. I'm going to ask you a question and then play you a sample. You'll have to answer about what you hear. So here we go. The CB Sharp 5 Drum Break by Ralph Vargas and Carlos Best was sampled by all of the following except for A. Outcast, B. Mr. Cheeks, C. Raekwon, or D. Lil' Kim. Raekwon. Wait, who has not sampled it? Oh. Ooh. So which of these artists has not sampled it? Got it, I'm going got it. to okay. play you the drum break just so everybody else can hear it too. Right. Mr. Cheeks. He says, Mr. Cheeks, we're going to do a little bit of a reveal here. So, first of all, we know, yes, Raekwon. Lil' Kim. And Outcast. So, yes, Mr. Cheeks is the only one to not have uh, used that break. That record is actually pretty rare. I had, it's funny enough. I yelled at my son yesterday because he threw a copy across the living room like a frisbee. Oh no! Yeah, I mean it's it's already scratched to hell, but I was about to lose my mind. I mean, when do you start to impart the record etiquette on on, on the youth? That's I mean, I'm already trying. Like today, he, you know, he took a forty. He he was mad because there was a spindle on the forty five, and I'm like, well, the forty. It needs that spindle so that it can play the record. You see, it has a big hole. He's like, and this this turntable, it's not. Uh, it's not on the table. It's wall. It's a wall-mounted turntable. It's a vertical turntable. Mm -hmm. So he goes over to it, stands up on the table, and just 
takes the spindle off as the record is spinning and throws it across the room. And I'm like, yo! <laughs> and then he gets mad because the record stops playing and, then, and the needle's now on the slip mat and it's like... <laughs> and I, so every day I try to teach him, like, hey, listen. Because he liked, he loves playing with turntables. His favorite thing is to start a record and stop it over and over. So the record's like, yay, yay. He loves yeah, it. Yeah. But I'm trying to tell him, listen, that's okay. That's a, a foundation of DJing. You have to respect the needle. Because right. he loves, if he doesn't want to hear a song anymore, he just... Yeah, right. And I'm like, <laughs> but again, he's two. You know, I can only, you know, it'll come with time. So I, I, I decided today, I'm going to get a, um, I'm gonna change the head shell on the wall mounted turntable, yeah. so that there's a needle on there that he can play with it. If he scratches it, I don't care. And he right. already has a few of his own records. So if they get wow. scratched or whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, that's that's for him. But yeah, so, uh, but yeah, it's it's just frustrating. Because like today he scratched up uh, a a twelve inch I have of a bunch of unreleased Black Moon stuff and he just totally gashed the record and I'm like uh anyway uh, yeah wow uh, it's still amazing that he's getting into it so young though yeah um, for better or worse to your record collection uh all right second question sorrow tears and blood by Fela Kuti was sampled by this group a Jungle Brothers b Boogie Down Productions, C, Public Enemy, or D, X Clan. No, I know, yeah, I know. Uh, uh, um, uh, shoot. Uh. Is it Water No Get Enemy, Sorrow, Tears, and Blood, Colonial Mentality, or Zombie? Shoot. The funny thing is, I know this one. Um, but I only found out about it very recently. Mm. I never knew it was a failure record until my homie um, Jack put me onto it. Give me a second. Yeah, we can lean on the chat too. The chat is there if you want to go. I'm seeing a few different answers in there. I'm just I'm just trying to think. Um, I know it's not water. No, no, get enemy. Right. Shout out to Kim Osorio in the chat. Um, give, give me a second, because I, I, this is not, again, this is something that I just learned about recently. Yeah. But I do have a good memory. Um, no, it's not Warden of the Get No Enemy. I know it's not Zombie. I mean, I know it's not Colonial Mentality. Mm. Zombie, I've never heard of, to my knowledge. Like it's, I might have heard it, but it's not in my regular fill-out rotation. So by default, it would have to be Solid Tears and Blood only because Sorrow Tears and Blood is a record that I know that I never caught that they took that little stab from there. I know mm. more than don't get anything like the back of my hand. Zombie I've never heard of, and Colonial Mentality I know fairly well, kind of. I'm going to have to go with Sorrow Tears and Blood. He's going with B. This was the moment that we were all afraid of. But guess what, folks? <laughs> He is correct. Sorrow, tears, and blood. There it is. There it is. Woo! I was getting nervous, Jess. I was, I was getting nervous. Um, all right. We're moving into our final question of this round. In between song banter from Frank Zappa's live album, Tinseltown Rebellion, was sampled in a song by this producer. I will play you the sample in question, the Frank Zappa. It's not living in a jar. Oh, 
right now. You, he wants to get his girlfriend. Go get your girlfriend. I'm just going to say Mad Lib. I'm going right, to get it wrong. Here's what we're going to do. All right. Your final answer is? Ow. Sorry. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Mad Lib only because I, uh, I don't know. Um, what you just played was the sample or the skit that was like the thing that was used on the record? The, the actual vocals were used in the sample. So I'll play it for you one more time. I want to lean on the chat for All this right. one, but I don't know if... That, but it fro ever since it froze up for a second, I'm not seeing the chat's not moving at all. Is it moving on your end? It is moving on mine. Do you want to hop out and then hop back in with that? Yeah, like let me do that because I'm seeing messages that I, from people of people talking about Solomon with the records. Okay, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'm gonna hop out. I'll hop, hop yeah. right back in. All right, yeah. All right. Shout out to all of our new viewers. Just are you there? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, does the chat seem current now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now I see people. People are saying he's human. Google. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Um, all right, so I was going to say Mad Lib because when I think of Frank Zappa, I think of Mad Lib because of the Mad Villain album, but that would be obvious. Mm. LP, I could see him sampling Frank Zappa, but that dialogue, that tempo, that doesn't feel like L. Mm. Then you go to J, then you go to Dilla and Oh No. Oh no! Oh no! Samples, obviously. I mean, this is brother. He samples eclectic stuff. You know what it is? We have three, four guys here who all sample eclectic stuff. Absolutely. Um, I'm Xing Mad Lib off. That was my first reaction, and that's why I'm Xing it off. Um, I'm gonna X off LP. Oh no! Could be. And this is me using deductive logic because I don't know. Sure. Sure. Oh no, could be. I feel like that's the real trip up. Like, was it him or his brother? Hmm. Oh. <laughs> but again, that would make it too obvious. So, I'm going to take this shot in the dark here, and I hope I don't mess up the perfect score so far. I'm going to say Dilla Dog. He says Dilla Dog. Let's hear it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Now, Dilla see, as soon as we played the beat, I knew what it was. Yep, yep. Now, Doom did rap on that. You know, like other people have used it. But, yeah, that was that was a Dilla, uh, yes. Dilla track from Donuts, uh, the mash. All right, so, Jess, we are now in our final round. You have a flawless score thus far. So this is how our final round works. I'm going to give you a choice. You get three categories to choose from. You will have okay. 90 seconds to answer. They're not multiple choice, but you will have uh, 90 seconds to answer five questions in the category of your choice. And these are your categories for the night. Mad Lib Invasion, Star Wars lyrical references, or remixing with the Beastie Boys. You get to choose which lane you want to go in. We have questions about Mad Lib. We have, uh, you have to identify who drops the Star Wars reference in a rap or questions about Beastie Boys remixes. Is it multiple choice or no? It is not multiple choice. I just have to know the answers. You have to know the answer. Um, you can rely on the chat for that as well. There's two, you know, I read an article recently about Star Wars lyrical references. 
and there was a it was so many that I had never heard before. Mm. A lot of underground nerd rap stuff. Sure. Um, that I that I may have missed out on. Um, and Mad Lib's catalog is so deep. I know a lot of it, but there's so much that I don't know. Um, when you, so like, are you playing it and then asking me who did it? No, or, it's 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 a it's a speed round, ninety seconds, and you're trying to get the five questions right. Got it. Now, I will say this: I do think that the Star Wars lyrical one is a little bit tough. So I do have one caveat for it, and we've never done something like this before. I will have the answers on there. But there are more correct. There are more answers than there are questions. So you'll it'll be a process of elimination. There's only going to be five answers, but there's going to be ten options on the screen. So there will be options to choose from on the screen. There will be options for that one. But if you get it wrong, it's done. You know, like that that question is burnt if you get it if you get it wrong. Got it. And the and the goal is to get all five. Yeah, all five. That's how you get that perfect score. See, Beastie Boys, but the era of Beastie Boys that I love, there wasn't really a lot of remixes. Mm. I love I loved the first album. That's my favorite. Sure, yeah. That's why the remix that I did for them years later sounds like something from License to Ill, because I wanted to bring them back to that era that I love. That was the I would imagine you probably right? threw that in there um, just to mess with me. Um, but that might be the only one that I get right. Because a lot of the stuff from the later albums, I just... I... Uh, I I heard them. I didn't retain them. Sure. You know what? Screw it. Let's go. This is what I want to do. I want. I want. We'll do Star Wars. Yeah. And then I want to play the Mad Lib one for fun. That's perfectly fine. So all okay. right. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do the Star Wars. You are gonna have these options up here. So I'm gonna go over the rules one more time. You can use the chat. If you don't know the answer, you can pass, and we can come back to it. If you get an answer wrong, it's burnt. When you know you can't retry on that okay. one. And the chat is there to help you. There's a little bit of delay in the chat. I have OC's times up here, time to 90 seconds. So when we stop hearing OC, your time is up. So are you ready? Sure. All right, here we go. Just play Star Wars references. I'm going to bring these options up here. These are all of the options. And I'm going to read you the lyric, and you are going to have to pick who said it. <laughs> all right? It so bad. I'm just pulling up the questions here. Yep. You got Just Blaze in the hot seat right now, guys. He's got a thus far perfect score. No one has ever gotten a perfect score before. All right. So I, 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 I've never even heard a Mr. Eon song before. Listen, Jesus. Just, just, here we are. We're, we're, Big we're, up. There's no turning back. No time for looking back. It's done. Plus, yeah. congratulations. You mentioned you had a son. It's um, a little Nas reference there for all you uh, <laughs> Anyway. 90 seconds on the clock. I'm going to read you the lyric. You have to identify who said it. Ready? Here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. We go through episodes two like Attack of the Clones. Work till we break our back and you hear the crack of the bones. Crack the bones. Quali. Quali is correct. All right. Like I got that off the cadence. Like gravy to potatoes, Luke to Darth Vader. I'm a souped up sucker and I'll see you all later. I'm a souped-up sucker, and I'll see you all later. Ad-Rock. Ad-Rock is correct. Tell them, ho, take their clothes off slowly. Hit them with the force like Obi. Uh, Ludacris? Ludacris is incorrect. Okay, Star Wars fur. Yeah, I'm rocking Chewbacca, the one chief rocker, number one chief rocker. 
Uh, I don't know. Uh, Kanye? I don't know. Kanye is correct. I'm Jedi Master, Mace Windu. What you been through? Keep MC's head wrapped like Erica Badu. What? Uh, can you say it again, please? I'm Jedi Master, Mace Windu. What you been through? Keep MC's head wrapped like Erica Badu. Uh, Kanye? No, I know it's not the right answer. You, you used Kanye already, so it's not going to be. Oh, him. shoot. Um, M wouldn't say that. Mace Windu, Biggie was dead. Um, Let's get that final answer in, Just Pass. Well, the time is up, so I feel like you should you should answer it. Just take a guess. Oh, um, Ludacris. Ludacris is incorrect. Okay, so I'm going to go through the ones that you got wrong. Tell them, ho, take their clothes off slowly. Hit them with a force like Obi is Notorious B.I.G. on Hypnotize. Mm, I never listened and, to that song to, to, the, to the end. And then Mr. Eon used that line on B-Boy Document 99 with Mad Skills and Most Death. His opening verse is, I'm Jedi Master, <laughs> Mace Windu, what you've been through. Keep MC's head I have head a great like, story about that song. You want to, can you tell it? Yes, I um, I was there when they mixed that record. Um, and I don't know if I was just feeling opinionated that day. <coughs> I'm generally very good with keeping my mouth shut, especially mm. in that era. Yeah. But I was in this session. They were discussing. They were discussing the song, and I was nobody. I was not just Blaze at the time. I was just. You know, Justin Smith, the, the intern or whatever, sure. or the assistant engineer. And somebody said something to the fact of like, well, this is going to be one of those songs where either they, they were talking amongst themselves. And they were like, yeah, this is going to be one of those songs where you either love it or you hate it, you know, like musically. And I was like, yeah, I don't like this song. You know, the beat, the... the <laughs> I just, I, it's too much. It's very repetitive. They were kind of like... Okay. Shout out to Marty Mai, who is in the chat right now. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever told Mai that story. Like... And, I, and then as soon as I said that, I was like, why did I just say that? <laughs> and I excused myself from the room. And I don't think I don't think I went back in the session after that. The, the night that Justin Smith ended his career in hip hop by, by bad mouthing the people. <laughs> but, but it was but it was a, the thing is, it was a discussion about the sample. Right. So I at first, I think my initial thing was, hey, yeah, you're right. Some people might not because this is driving me a little bit nuts. But then I was sure. like, oh, I don't think that's really what I needed to say. You know, um, it's Studio funny. Etiquette. Studio now that I'm older, I like the record. Yeah. Totally. You know, but yeah, it's just social. It was totally terrible social etiquette at that time. But you know, I was okay. like, I was a kid. So, no, it's fine. Nobody's mad. Mighty Mai's in the chat. I don't think he's mad. Um, I'm going to total up your score. My question for you, Just, before we uh, go on, and I know we wanted to do that Mad Lib round for fun, mm -hmm. which we will do, but who would you challenge to come on this show next? We This is our, you know, 50-second episode. Who is somebody that you know that you think we should get on the show? Oh, I don't know. I, I would say Amir, but you guys already had him. Um, you did get him. What about, you guys had Jeff? Say, say it again. Have you, guys, have you guys had Jeff or um, Spinner? We haven't had Spinner, no. You should get Spinner. Spinner would be great. All right.
So, uh, just you got 13 out of 15. You lost those two in the final round. Let me tell you, though, 13 Club is not a bad place to be. You're rubbing shoulders with Questlove, uh, Dart Adams, Mad Skills, Dante Ross, House Shoes, It's the Real, Scratch Bastard, Lyric Jones. Like, that many people got 13? That many people got 13. Oh, that's whack. But listen, if you ever want to come back, we are developing a show where people will go head to head. So if you want to come back, if, if this wasn't miserable for you, we would love to have you back at some point. We could, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to put it out there. I mean, I don't know what, you, what questions you asked them. So I'm actually going to keep my mouth shut. But <laughs> I thought I would have been a little bit better. Like that's kind of, I feel average now. I got to come back and do, and, and do better. Listen, um, we'll, we'll have you back. Absolutely. All right, cool. Let's do it. Um, you want to do that Mad Lib? Sure, uh, why not? Speed through all it. All right. We're going to speed through it now. We have a few minutes left in Wait, the Wait, I see comments in the chat. Have you had comments? No, we haven't had comments. Well, there you go. Common, yo, follow us, slide in the DMs. I mean, like, maybe Jess can hook us up together, but we would love to have somebody like Common on the show. And see, that's Absolutely. the thing. How many of those people that are in that 13 Club use the chat? Uh, to varying degrees, I think a lot of them did. Open Mike Eagle is in there. He, uh, Kathy and Dolly. Yeah, yes, I didn't, I didn't use the chat. Actually, maybe, maybe I should have. You had the most exciting round, I would say, out of anybody because... Uh, there were times where, like, I just didn't know. Like, you, you were really fast with it and a lot of crazy turns. It was dramatic. It had a dramatic arc. I mean, thank nobody you, should take you, that you. away from you. All right, let's, let's, let's breeze through uh, Mad Lib real quick. All right, we're going to breeze through Mad Lib. Here we go. The questions for the Mad Lib round are as follows. In 2004, Yesterday's New Quintet released an album dedicated in name and music to this iconic soul singer. Was it Stevie Wonder? Stevie Wonder is correct. Right. Madlib provided a remix to this Beastie Boys single. I, oh, I, I know of it, but I don't know which one it was. I don't remember the name. All right, it was Shake Your Rump off Paul's Boutique. Right. Uh, how many full-length Quasimodo albums has Stone's Throw released? The actual albums, two. Then you have the instrumentals for them and the remixes, but the actual albums, there's two. There was also a third that was a compilation. I'd give you that to you on a, a technicality, but they, they took a lot of Lucy's, and it was called Yes, Sir. It, was, it came after the two ones. Right. Um, in 2012, Madlib fully produced an album called Seeds by this singer. Mm, I don't know. Georgia Ann Muldrow. Oh, wow. Um, and De La Soul's The Grind Date features a Madlib produced track that features a member from this old school hip hop group. I mean, I missed that. We missed that album at my studio. Um, oh, Flavor Flav. Uh, uh, with, the, with the last night changed at all drums. Yep, yep, it's the public enemy. Yep, so yep. did pretty well on the uh, on the Mad Lib bonus round. Uh, Just Blaze, thank you so much for joining no us. Doubt. We're Salute. absolutely honored to have you, um, and we'd love to have you back as well. Sounds good. I'm gonna hang. Are you guys? Are, is it over? Now? Is the stream over? Are you guys still going? Uh, our stream is over. Yeah. Got so. it. I wasn't yeah. sure if you guys did something else after you played the game or the show. No, we, we're going to be on Twitch tomorrow night. I'll say to you and everybody else, we uh, – oh, shout out to RJD2 in the chat, former guest on the game. Um, we, uh, we've got shows lined up next week. Next week we have Ben Lyons and Bun B on the show. They're going to be joining us on Instagram. And tomorrow night we'll be on Twitch doing a group game where everybody can play at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern. So, you know, come fuck with us, Just. We'd love to have you back and Bobby in more ways. It was an honor. Sounds good, man. Salute. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. Peace. Thank you. All Take right, care. Man, what a great, great episode. Another big shout out to Just Blaze. And yeah, it's been a minute. We should have him come back on the show, right? Who would you want to see him go up against in a head-to-head -head battle? 
we were to put that together. Hit me up and let me know in the comments of the podcast or on social media. We're on Instagram at The Questions Hip Hop or on Twitter at Questions Hip Hop. This episode was written and hosted by me, Sean Kantrowitz, with additional contributions by Steve Wonder. The show's theme is by Midas the Beast and Czarism. Visit questionshiphop.com to find out about all things related to the questions, including links to our YouTube, social media channels, and our Patreon if you want to support the show. Thank you for listening, and peace. Stony Island Audio.